Uh, Compassion is one of those great organizations. Debbie and I uh, work with them and uh, sponsor three kids. We're going to have Compassion Sunday uh, next week, which means they're going to have some information out here. We encourage you to be a part of that. You'll hear more later on. If you're a guest, my name's David. I'm the pastor. We're so glad you're here. Hope you always feel welcome. Man, if you're a guest, I got some really good news, and I got some really bad news for you, especially if you're a first-time guest. The good news is you're welcome to come to anything we got going on, man. You're always welcome to be a part of First Baptist Church. The bad news is one of your two great fears about coming to a church for the first time is going to come true today. Now, it's not the fear about you being singled out and having to stand up and introduce yourself. It's never going to be that fear. It's the other fear, the fear you're going to show up and the preacher's going to preach about money. That's the fear of coming true today. <laughs> First Sunday of every November, two things can happen. You can set your clocks by it. You're going to set the clock back an hour. That's one. That's a pun. You missed that. You're too much of a shell shock about the money part. That's the other thing I preach about giving. And uh, you should, yeah, it's, it's, it's something we need to do. I mean, um, Jesus talked more about our money than he did about heaven or hell because it's, it's a critical thing. And you know, I think we got coming up, right now you're getting hit for, for money a lot. I know. I'll be glad when the election's over because the politicians are hitting me up. Finally told them, look, I voted for you three times. Quit asking me for money for crying out loud. Can't, what, what do you want? You know, I'm doing everything I can to help you get elected. Give me a break. And then we have, uh, I think it's called Giving Tuesday coming up December 1st. So I never knew that existed. People are talking about Giving Tuesday. I'm like, okay. So you're going to get hit up a lot. But listen, here's the thing. Let me just share this right off the bat because this is important. Whenever it comes about giving your money away, avoid people in organizations who try to trick, manipulate, or guilt you into giving even if they are Christian. I mean, just avoid them. It bugs me to no end when I hear you know, pastors trying to manipulate people and guilt you in. I remember when I was a young pastor, there was this television guy, a television evangelist, had a church in the university, and he, he was saying if he doesn't raise X amount of millions of dollars, God's going to take his life. And I'm like, well, that's your problem, man. Why is that my problem? I ain't pulling that stuff in my church. That's on you. If your relationship with God is that shallow, you, know, you should be ready anyways. You preach, be ready in an instant. Well, instant's coming. So don't, don't be manipulated, but let me tell you something. Motivation and encouragement are okay. And that's really what I'm going to do a little bit today from God's Word. It's important. So here's what I want you to see from the message today, and it's really simple. It's not complicated. Your money is important to you, and it should be, because it's important to me. My money is important to me, not your money. Your money is important to you, and it should be. Few issues are more sensitive than giving your money away. So here's the thing. You need a biblical reason to do so. I want a biblical reason before I give my money away. So that's just, you should want that. Um, in a few moments, you're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians. And, and the book of 2 Corinthians, you know, as Paul writes this letter to this church, is, this is a fairly, Corinth was an unbelievably wealthy city. And just because of the trade and all that, and the church had a lot of money. And, and in the 8th and ninth chapter of 2 Corinthians, Paul is dealing with this offering that he is taking up for the church at Jerusalem. A good part of the New Testament, there's this underlying theme going on uh, in, in the book of Acts. When I see New Testament, I mean the book of Acts, some of Paul's letters. He's taking this offering up for the church of Cor uh, Jerusalem. The Jerusalem church has been around. It was the first church. It was you know, primarily Jewish, almost exclusively Jewish Christians, and they were poor. They, they had just, over the years, had just become really poor. And a lot of the Gentile churches uh, in, in Europe and, you know, in Asia Minor, they, they had access to some wealth. And so Paul was just taking this offering up for two reasons. One, to help the church at Jerusalem, but two, to help the Gentile churches build a bond with this original Jewish Christian group. And so it was important. And, and so he talks in the 8th and ninth chapter. He's talking to them about generosity, but he's also reminding them, hey, look, you, gotta, you give freely. You chose this offering. I didn't put it on you. You chose to do it. 
give by your ability. And he mentions like the churches in Macedonia, which was uh, Philippi and Thessalonica. They were very poor, but they were giving. And he just encourages them. And so he comes then to where we're going to be today with a message entitled, The Reason We Give. And it's going to come from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 15. And uh, here it is. Now I say this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows generously will also reap generously. Each one must do just as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace overflow to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who, has, uh, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which uh, through us is producing thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God because of the proof given by this ministry, uh, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God. And then he says, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. And so what I want to do now is to share some reasons to give. This passage is really kind of complex, and I actually have about three messages that I could probably produce out of here, but I'm just going to give you one, so I'll condense it down, and I won't cover every verse in detail or anything like that. So let me just give to you like, from this passage what Paul tells us, reasons to give, three of them. The first is this, we give because we can. That's why we give, because we can. He, he's going to use kind of an illustration that would speak to this everyday people back then. One of the important things about illustration, and Jesus does this <clears throat> when, you, when, you, when you read through the Gospels, he, he used illustrations that people could relate to, that they could connect with. They used a lot of agricultural illustrations because even those people that lived in cities had connections to the world of agriculture. And, and, and Paul does this. It's this idea in, in Galatians 6. He says, you reap what you sow. You know, if you plant something... Uh, whatever you plant, whatever that seed is, that's what's going to grow. I, I'm a city boy, but I know that. I mean, we, uh, we were in a small church in the country. I told you, I think, about it last week or two weeks ago, about the one that had a cemetery next to it. And, uh, and I go preach there. But we lived in this old, run-down, beat-up parsonage. Debbie and I and about 25 rats uh, lived there. And uh, I put this garden. I wanted, to, I wanted to connect with all my farmers. So I planted this garden in the back, and it, it was a disaster. I promise you that right now. But here's the thing I know. Whatever I planted, if anything grew, about half the plants died for something I did wrong, I guess. But they, if I planted, like I planted a tomato, tomato grew. I mean, that's just the way it is. But there's another part of, of all of this. Paul says in verse 6, he says, if you plant sparingly, you will harvest sparingly. But if you plant generously, you will harvest generously. And the idea of sparingly means kind of begrudgingly, you plant as little as you can, you're going to get as little crop as possible. But if you're generous, and the word generous comes from the word blessing, if there's a blessing, if you pour out in what you plant, then the harvest will be great. And back then, uh, they, didn't, they didn't just plant crops for themselves or even to make money. I mean, so much of life back then in, in an agrarian culture, but it, it's just about sharing. 
And so you would want to take whatever you could and plant it and try to get as much crop as you could back of whatever you were planting to share with your family, to store when famine would come. So being generous was just an important part of life for the whole community. And that, that's really how Paul starts this whole thing about my part of the message about giving and what he's been saying. He's not, this is not what he's saying. And I've heard preachers say this, and I hate this, that if you only give God a little, he'll only give you a little back. But if you give God a lot, he'll give you a lot back. Well, that's just not true. I know people who are unbelievably wealthy. They're stinking rich and give nothing. So that's just not true. It's not about, this is not about an investment, all right? That's manipulation. This is about the attitude that lives within us. Paul says in verse 7, he says this, whatever you have determined in your heart is what you should give. The word determined means decided in your heart, the place of your decisions, whatever you decide. He said, so I don't want you to give grudgingly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful means hilarious with great joy. God wants you to give with joy. I don't want you to give under compulsion. I want you to give like your arms being twisted and you have to and you're manipulated and you resent that. I'm about to say something that's really hard for me to say as a pastor. So you have to understand the words I'm about to utter are some of the hardest words I've ever uttered in my life. It's these. It is better for you to give less and give cheerfully than you to give more and hate every minute of it. And that's hard for a pastor to say. <laughs> because you're mostly, I was telling you, give all you can. If you feel bad about it, that's your problem. Let me tell you, if you give a lot and feel bad about it, we're going to cash the check. That's not on us. That's on you. But, I mean, if, if, you, if, if you've decided to give X, and you can do that with joy, and someone pressures you into giving two times X, and you're bitter about it, why do that? I would never want you to do that. God, give with joy. It's better to give less with joy than to give more under compulsion and be bitter about it and lose the joy of giving. And, and, and verse 8 is important and, and because it tells us that God gives all of us what we need to give. So verse, verse 8 says, he says this, by the grace of God, you know, it talks about God's grace. God gives us grace. God overpours in his grace. So that, or with the result that, we can, out of the surplus, we have this surplus, or I'm sorry, the sufficiency that we have, give of the surplus or the abundance. God's grace gives us what we need to be sufficient. In other words, the word sufficient means we have enough. Whatever you have, and people, different people have different more in life. Listen, I have a whole lot more at this stage in our life than Debbie and I did when we first got married. I can tell you that right now. When we got first got married, I don't, we had enough. Sometimes it didn't seem like it, you know. And we had that young married thing. Thank goodness we had parents that liked to give us food. Thank goodness my mom still cooked as if I lived at home, which was a whole lot of leftovers. And Debbie would go every week, sometimes two or three times a week, collect the leftovers and bring it home so we could eat according to how we were accustomed, you know. I was accustomed. I mean, it, you know, just, but I look back, but I had enough. We had enough. Now we have a whole lot more now. We still have enough. But in the sufficiency, you know what he gives us? He gives us the abundance to give. He gives us the ability to give. Now, what we had way back then, we gave, and we didn't have much to give, but God provided enough to live on and to give. And I remember we'd look at our bills. Here were our bills. Here was our income. Bills were greater than income. And we gave, and God always provided. 
because he gives us the ability. And now we have so much more than we did back then. He still gives us an abundance. It is a principle of life for the follower of Jesus. I'm talking to the believer now. God provides for you so that in his provision you can give. So here's a few things. You know, we give because we can. Let me just share three things with you about that, giving because we can. Giving is possible because God gives to us. That's, that's the mindset you have to have. Because God gives to me, I can give. And I know, and I know our mindset is, you know, American, we earned it, and I, and I get it. Let me tell you, everything I have, I have, and Debbie and I have because God's given it to us through some source. Listen, y'all, y'all pay me a fantastic salary. I, I'm not, I'm not going to comp- complain a bit. You, you, you provide more than enough. That doesn't mean you need to take any away. I'm just saying. You provide... I'm just speaking, you know, pastorally when I say that. You you provide more than enough, but whatever enough is. But here's the thing. All of our lives, whatever's come our way, we know that God gave it to us. God gave me parents to make sure I had a fantastic education. God gave me some skills and gifts that I've been able to use. He sent me to go to a particular college and seminary. He took the churches that I served in, and those churches always poured into me and poured into Debbie and poured into us so that I'm at a point in life that whatever, wherever I'm at now, is completely because of God. I haven't earned anything. He gave it to me. So I can give because God gives to me. Here's the other thing. Giving demonstrates an appreciation to God. We're just thankful. And so, so, you know, thank you, God, for all I have. My house is unbelievable. My, the cars we have. And I'm in a position where I'm thinking about buying another car. I love my Acura. If I Acura 10 years, I went to the Acura dealership the other day. Here's what the guy said. This brand new 2021 TL is 10 times faster than your current one. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to have that. <laughs> I got the money. I can sell a car, some blood. I got the money. Here, here's the thing. Giving says, God, thank you for what I have. So when I buy that acre, I'm going to feel like I have to give a little extra money just to be a little extra appreciative, you know. I'm actually not going to get that acre this year. Year. Here's the other thing. I don't need to go faster than I already go. I know. I have enough tickets to that. So I saw a meme the other day. I thought it was great. Don't be, get in my car, don't start screaming because we almost have a wreck, okay? That's the price you pay in my car. Here's the thing, giving is based on generosity and not coercion. Giving is based on being generous. That's what, all throughout this two chapters, Paul's talking about liberality or generosity. Give because you want to be generous, not because we're coercing. Listen, I don't want you to give because I laid the guilt trip on you, seriously. Why would I want you to resent being a part of this church, why would I want you to resent God? Why would I want you to resent me because I laid a squeeze on you? No, 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 no. I don't want that. Listen, if you can't give out of a sense of generosity, it's not the time for you to give. Come mean it. It's, if you can't, if, if, if you're going to be bitter about it, just don't, don't do it. Hang on. Wait. Because giving should never be about coercion. Because you want to. We give because we can. Second thing I want you to see is we give to serve God and others. Verse 12. Verse 12, Paul says, This ministry of service has resulted in an abundance 
so that you can meet the needs of the saints and then because of this generosity, this liberality, uh, God is, they thank God. So he talks about the ministry of service. The word ministry, that word used from the New American Standard, is diakonia. It means to serve. It's our basic general word for service. The word, the word minister comes from it, and the word deacon comes from it. Deacon, deacon, diakonia. Uh, interesting enough, the technical term for deacon is only used twice, maybe three times in all the New Testament. Once it's used to describe uh, before, as a greeting in Philippians, the deacons say hello. And then it's used in the famous passage in Timothy to describe the characteristics of a deacon in relationship to uh, the overseer, the pastor. The only other time that might be used technically is in Romans 16, but we Baptists don't like that because it mentions a woman, Phoebe, as being a deaconess. So we just ignore that completely. Because yeah. <laughs> it goes against everything we've ever believed. <laughs> Even though it might be true. Anyways. It's just this general idea of serving in ministry in general. And then the other word, service, is the word the liturgy comes from. There again, Baptists, we don't, we don't use the word liturgy. We don't have a liturgy. But it's a technical term that oftentimes deals with serving through worship. And so here's what Paul's saying. He says, the general sense of serving is accomplished through a very particular act of service. The liturgy, the very particular act, the more formal, accomplishes a general act of diakonia. So that the saints, those in Jerusalem, have their needs met. Great. That's what we want to do. And then God is praised. So serving has that, or giving has that uh, sense of service. So here's the thing. Giving serves others. So whenever you give, be sure you're giving to the purpose of serving. So when you give to First Baptist Church, it serves. We're serving people. We're a large part of our budget, uh, which we presented to the church last Wednesday night. We're going to vote on it next Sunday morning. Uh, real quickly without discussion, uh, but it's dedicated to what we call missions. And for us, missions is getting, is, is getting churches planted and helping pastors who are planting churches or who are helping pastors who are in existing churches who are struggling like we see in our association, in our area, is getting them some money to help them and resources, not just money, but resources, period. That's, that's, that's how we deal with missions. Uh, we have certain ministries. You have our preschool ministry. The little angels you have are sitting over there in Wamba. And then we have the children in Upstreet. And then we have the youth who are somewhere at a fast food joint in town. We're the church that has our youth meet and a Burger King. How does that work? That's just great. No, it's all that. Because we don't have a building space yet, which we're going to deal with next year. But here's the thing. All these ministries matter. Even the salaries you pay us. You know, I'm your servant. You call me to serve you as pastor. And so you want me to do it and give my full attention so I don't have to go get another job. I mean, I could do it voluntarily, but I'd have to get another job. I'd have to go back to what I was doing before, hustling pool, playing poker in, in um, you know, <laughs> places that nobody wants to go to. And so you, instead, you just say, look, come. God, that's my only other skills. This is it. Yeah. So you say, so this is service. And whatever you give to should be that way. Debbie and I, you know, so we give to the church so we can do, help other people. Uh, we give to Compassion, we saw, and you'll see some more next week. We have three kids that we sponsor right now. We, one of those kids we've been sponsoring 10 years, like, we've just watched her grow. It's just a blessing. And so, we know, we give basically 40 bucks a month per kid, and then we give more at Christmas, and then we get more for their birthdays. We give a, Compassion a lot of money. You know why? Because it's unbelievable organization helps kids. And we, and we give to other things. So we, we, we give to help animal shelters. That's not my doing. That's Debbie's thing. But we do it. Young guys, let me, let me give you a word of advice. If your wife wants to give to something you're not sure about, you just go ahead and do it. Because it's going to save you a whole lot of agony down the road. 
it's just, it's just a cost-benefit thing all the way. <laughs> cost-benefit analysis. You just weigh it out. Yeah, yeah, both do it. But seriously, you know, we, we, part of it, helping animals, the kindness of humanity, and plus they get, you know, uh, little people, uh, kids come and, and uh, get the dogs and they adopt them. That's great. Some of you give to New Mexico State University. Fantastic. Hopefully none of you give to UNM. I don't know if you should do that or not, but because uh, we're in Las Cruces only. Or none of you should give to UTEP, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> but just be sure where you give serves people. Just be sure it does that. The other thing is giving is an act of worship to God. It was just part of our worship is to recognize the glory of God and to give as an act. And sometimes we do that formally. We you know, we don't pass the offering plate anymore because of the COVID thing. So it's, you kind of got to go to the boxes and give or give online. But it's still, it's me recognizing that everything I have is God's. So God, here's, here's yours. I, I, I worship God that way. I glory, I, I honor. Which then brings me to the next reason we give. We give to glorify God. That's why we give. So Paul says in verse 13, he says, in your gift of abundance even, God is glorified. And, and that the purpose of life as a Christian to glorify God? I mean, la- I mean, spent the last eight weeks in the series on David talking about glorifying God, honoring God. I mean, that, that's what you want to do. He says, and so God is glorified. And here's the cool thing he says, because of the proof or the evidence or the demonstration of your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Jesus. What he's saying is this. You're giving, and it's kind of a convoluted way he writes it, a lot of technical words, but your giving is evidence that you truly have trusted Christ and that people say, hey, man, they're, they're, they're followers of Jesus. And there are a lot of ways to know that by your worship, by your prayer, by your sharing the gospel, by your helping people, but one of them is just by your giving. So the giving helps in the sharing of the gospel, and it's also like we're really Christians. How? Because we're generous people. Christians are supposed to be generous people, not stingy people. You know, we're not supposed to be the people you have to pry their hands off of it, right? You know that? You know, you, you, so many people, their hands are green from holding on that dollar bill so tight. We're the people that are open-handed, that, that are generous. And so it's, it's, it's just the open-handedness of our faith. It's part of the evidence it's not that you give all your money away. It's not, it's not that we're just giving it all away. But it's just that we're generous with what we have. And so Paul says that is going to show people just your deep love for God. That you're a follower of Christ. He closes out this whole section. In verse 15 it says, Praise to God. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. What is the gift of God? It's Jesus. He just reminded God gave us Jesus. So we have salvation. All we have belongs to him. So here's the thing. Giving glorifies God. Why? Because we're recognizing that all that I have comes from God. So God, here's, here's some of it back. It's all yours. But God, and listen, I want to glorify God with all my money, not just what I give him. So it's not like, well, God, I'm going to give you some money to glorify you, and I'm going to keep the rest to do whatever I want, and if you don't get glorified from it, tough. <laughs> All that I spend my money on should glorify God, in essence. But use, use, your, use a house to glorify God. You know, if I get that brand new Acura, i got to figure out some way I'm going to glorify God with that Acura. Maybe I'll meet more police officers. I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> Share the gospel with them. Give them, you know, an invitation. Here's the thing. Your, your, your mindset 
your, your thought process has to be one of such generosity that you just want to be sure whatever you give glorifies him. That's why you don't need to be stingy. That's why you don't need to have a hard heart. That's why you don't want to be bitter. If you're going to be bitter, you're not going to glorify God. Just keep it. Here's the other thing. Giving is helpful in sharing the gospel. It's helpful. We, last week, we, we, had, we saw eight people baptized at Epic Sunday out there on the lawn. And that was cool. And we see people come to Christ all the time, and we see lives change. You know, you know, since there was a group of people long before I came, bought this, this land. And then when they decided to call me, they said, help us get our building, our church out here. And since we've been out here, we've seen a lot of people come to this church who wouldn't come to First Baptist if we were still at the other building. Let's just be honest. A lot of you wouldn't even be here. And there's a lot of lives that wouldn't have been changed. And the reason that was possible was because people gave. And it's not a direct, you know, dollar for dollar. There's no formula involved. It's just what we know, that people who are generous, you reap what you sow. When you plant, one day you'll harvest. The harvest isn't the next day. Sometimes the harvest takes a long time. There are some things you can plant, and you'll get within a couple of months. Some things you can plant, and it'll take several years to plant, I mean, to harvest. Some things take a long, long time. But when we are generous, at some point, we're going to see people coming to Jesus. That's what we want, to see that. So here's the thing. This is important. So important. Giving is not law. It is an act of generosity and evidence of our faith. I don't want you to give out of legalistic means. It's because I want you to be generous. Have faith. So I, anytime I preach about money, I, I always say that. I always want to share this with you. And I just do it because you have a right to expect me to practice what I preach. Debbie and I give to this church. And we, and we start with the tithe. The tithe and I didn't preach about tithing. And some people say, well, tithing's Old Testament. Well, yeah, I know. So is God creating his Old Testament. But it's, it's true. And it pours over in the New Testament. Jesus recognized the tithe. The tithe was the first cut. And we understand it to be 10%. So Debbie and I, we just start there. And then to the church. Then we give more than that. We, we, we give more than that. And, and I'm just saying that because you have a right to know that. You don't have a right to know how much I give. You just need to know what we give. And we take our combined income. That's where we start. We give more. And, and, and we expect that of all the staff, of all the deacons. If you're on the finance committee, if you're on the personnel committee, and if you're a trustee, we expect that of all of them. If they don't do it, we ask them to either not serve or give their position up. They're a staff member that may not have a choice in the matter of giving that position up. <laughs> so we expect. But more than that, what we really want is just people to be generous. We don't want it to be law. And we want it to be the evidence of faith that people look at us and they see our love for God. And there are a lot of different ways they see our love for God. There's a lot of different ways we demonstrate it. But one of the ways is giving. Listen, we got people, that's the only way they can serve because of their age or because of limitations. Some people, because they travel so much and their job just takes them away and they can't give any of their time and maybe Sunday morning is the only time they come. That's the only way they serve and we get it. And there are some people that don't have very much to give and we get that too. They serve a lot of other ways and we get it. Listen, it's never the amount. We don't, we don't, ever, we don't ever worry about the amount that you give. I've never worried about that in 40 years of ministry. All I really want as a pastor is for you 
to get with God. And you and God work out what it is he wants you to do. And then once you and God have worked that out, just do that. And I'll tell you, everything will be cool. And I don't know what you give, and I'm not going to go look it up, and I'm not going to have someone tell me, and I don't know if you give or don't give. But I just want you to be right where God wants you to be. That's really all I ever want for you in anything. Just be where God wants you to be. So here's the thing. First Baptist Church, we live and we survive financially. You know, watch use those terms, off tithes, gifts, and offerings. You know, we don't, we don't invest money and make it. We don't have anything we produce. Uh, I've stopped printing money a long time ago, found out I couldn't do that. Um, so it's tithes and gifts and offerings. So here's the thing. Now I'll close with this. If this is your church, we encourage you to give so that we can honor God and get people to Jesus as fast as we can. And that's all I will ever ask you to do. The rest is between you and God. So the invitation today is real simple. For the next few days, and I'm not asking you to cut a check today or give money, but for the next few days or weeks, as you, you know, this year kind of comes to a close and next year starts and, and well, we're ready for this year to come to a close. I get it. Next, ready for a new year. But as you start thinking, okay, I have, sometimes people have a little extra money to give them the year, okay, or they start planning their budget for 2021, okay, that's fine. But over the next few days or weeks, just you and your family, just get with God and find out what it is that God wants you to do. And if, if it's not a gift to here, that's fine. Maybe it's, it's to give to someplace else. Maybe you say, David, First Baptist has got plenty of money. I'm going to give to something else. That's fine. That's between you and God. It's, that's not my, I don't enter into that discussion. My, I don't get to be a part of that. I don't sit at the table. That's between you and God. But just be sure that in your life, wherever it goes, you're being generous. And just be sure that wherever it goes, you glorify God and you help people come to Jesus. Or serve people. Just do that, and everything will be okay. Make that commitment today that you'll just spend some time figuring that out. If you've never trusted Christ to be your Savior, and I didn't preach an evangelistic message, but maybe you want to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you saw the baptism last week, and you did that and said, hey, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. We'd love for you to come. If you want to come join our church, we'd love for you to do that. Maybe you want to pray about your finances. Some of you have some tough financial situations. Man, I get it. I understand. I've been there. I don't have it now, but I've been there. Maybe you, you want one of us to pray with you. That's fine. Listen, I don't, I don't know what you need to do, but here's what I want for you. This is all I want for you today. Walk out of here knowing you and God are going to get together, and you're going to figure out how God can let you be generous. So, Father, thank you for what we have. It comes from you. And whatever we do with it, it's yours to begin with. So let us give it back to you, whether it's through here or some other place, wherever we're going to give it. Let us give it, and let us give it to honor you and help people, serve people, love people, whatever it takes. And God, when we're through, let it be with hearts that have joy and not with compulsion. And let us always remember, God, whatever we decide to plant, that's what we'll harvest. Those are your words to us. And let us honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We'll be at the front to greet you. You come.